Is it normal for you to drink so that someone else can think that you're normal? Or is it normal for you to not need a substance to be normal? What truly is you? Who truly are you? Welcome to the Straight Up Intentional Podcast. This is your host, Diane. And on this podcast, we're going to talk everything faith, fitness, and mindset, and how to live an intentional life. It's the anniversary. It's our anniversary. Ay, ay, ay. Anniversary. Anniversary. It's our anniversary. It's my anniversary. Oh my goodness, guys. It's my anniversary. Not my wedding anniversary. It's not my birthday anymore. It's actually the day after my 32nd birthday and guess what I am celebrating even more than the fact that God has blessed me with another year of life. I am celebrating two years alcohol free, free from addiction, free from the need to please, free from hangovers, free from guilt and shame and wondering what I did the night before, free from the the need to feel like an outside substance could fulfill me, free from needing to feel valid by other people, free from only drinking because somebody else wants to drink. I am two years free. I decided to get sober at the age of 30 years old. I will obviously 29 when I decided to get sober, but 30 when I was actually sober. And the last time I drank to drink to drink to drink was on my birthday party. It was a brunch that we had and it was on the 30th. So 30th, 2021 was the last time I consumed alcohol and the 31st was my first sobriety date. And it was actually supposed to be the 1st of November and it actually wasn't supposed to be this huge deal. I didn't ever plan for it to be a lifelong sobriety journey. I still do not know if it's going to be a lifelong sobriety journey. I take my journey day by day. And I don't condemn anyone who drinks. It's a very personal journey. I'm going to talk about expectations and things that you should expect if you are sober curious, because I am here for my sober sober curious people. I would still consider myself a sober curious person. And let's just talk about it. Let's dive in. What, what would you expect? What was the journey like? It wasn't easy. You know, you see sober people where they are and you're like, wow, they just don't need alcohol. They don't care to have alcohol. They're at, you know, these gatherings and they're not drinking and they're having fun. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they are. And you just look at them and you're like, wow, that's amazing. How do they do that? Or man, they look so happy or whatever. But this journey is not linear. It is not the same for everyone. It is very unique and it is very personal And it is not something that makes anyone better than the next. It's just a personal decision and a personal journey that should be respected, number one, by everyone and um, encouraged because it is a beautiful journey to be on. But let's talk about it. 
I, why did I decide to get sober in the first place? Well, I was a bartender for nearly 10 years. Alcohol was pretty much a constant in my life. I probably started drinking, drinking around 17 years old. And I excused my behavior because I worked at a restaurant where pretty much everyone drank almost every night. It was very, very common for us to go get drinks after work. I was very young in my profession. I mean, at the time I was literally a, I started off as a to-go girl at 15 and I worked in the same place for nearly 10 years. So as you can imagine, most people were older than me. I mean, 21, obviously minimum and up anywhere from 21 to 50 on average, right? So my friends were significantly older than me. (laughs) And uh, I, you know, those were the people that I was hanging out with. Those are the people I was rolling with because I graduated at 17 and moved out of my house. And I was pretty much chilling with my coworkers from then on out. So drinking became a very normal thing. It wasn't weird to go on a Wednesday night after work, because we got off early, quote unquote, which was like, what, let's say 10, 11 a.m. p.m. So you'd go out for a drink and you'd be able to get home by one, two o'clock in the morning. And it was normal. There was nothing weird about that. And I had it so constantly in my life that I never really, number one, saw myself as having a problem Number two, ever thought it was weird for someone to drink as often as I did because everyone around me was drinking as often as I did. It wasn't until I stepped away from that profession and I started working from home that I even just like decreased the amount of alcohol I was drinking or the amount of times that I was drinking. And I got pregnant in 2020. So right when I left um, the bartending job, I would say like six months later, I was pregnant with my son. So obviously I got sober then, right? I have my son and this postpartum was different. It was just different. I've said it before. It was different. I had anxiety. I definitely had some depression and identity issues. And I was just going through some mental stuff, physical and mental. And so It required me to really look at my life, think about my life, analyze my life and try to figure out like, what was I doing? Well, what was I doing? Was I happy? Was I content? And did I want to continue in the same way that I was? And because I was looking at my habits, I was healing my relationship with food. I was looking at my habits. I was looking at my mindset and I was trying to just be better. Alcohol was a natural thing to look at. Because it's a habit. It's a habit at the end of the day. Something you can have an unhealthy relationship with. Because I was healing my relationship with food, it was natural to look at alcohol as well. And that's all I looked at it as. It was very, it wasn't like this philosophical or deep or emotional thing that I was looking at it. I was really looking at it as another habit. I wasn't going deep into why I drank or what emotional baggage I was carrying. I was simply looking at it as, oh, I don't know if that aligns with my goals. And so naturally I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try to go without it. And and I, like I said, I didn't have 
a time frame. I wasn't necessarily saying I was never going to drink again. I was kind of just like, I'm just going to try to go without alcohol. And what I did was I told a couple of people about it. And um, another thing that was happening in the same time is that I was, every time I did drink, I was getting really, really sick, hungover. My body was literally rejecting the alcohol. It wasn't taking it the way it would before. And I was just like not enjoying myself anymore. When I did drink, I didn't want to drink more. I felt like I was kind of like making myself drink for the social aspect of it. And the next day, not only was I super hungover and like just dead, I wasn't remembering my nights and it wasn't like I was drinking excessively. I definitely drank more before my son was born, but I was not remembering. I would literally, I remember literally asking my husband like, hey, how did we get home last night? Or what time did we get home? Or, you know, I kind of don't remember past this point. And I just did, it wasn't, it wasn't doing what it did maybe when I was 17 years old, right? And so I kind of came to the conclusion that it just wasn't going to align with my goals and that I wanted to see how long I could go without it. So I told a couple of friends and I kind of told the masses that I was doing 75 hard so that I wouldn't have to say I have a problem with alcohol or I think I have a problem with alcohol and I want to stop drinking. So to not have that conversation get too deep right away, I just told the world I'm going to do 75 hard. And I think I waited three months maybe or 30 days 30 days, 60 days, you know, one of the cornerstones, one of the accomplishments to actually tell people like, I intend on being sober. Like, this is my intention. I'm not ashamed of it anymore. And I'm going to talk about why that thought process happened and why it's actually a pretty valid point. But I finally was like, you know what, guys, I'm sober. And my intention is to be sober and I'm going to be sober and that's, and I'm going to take it day by day. And I'm not saying I'm not going to drink at my daughter's wedding when I'm, you know, 52. I don't know how old I'm going to be at my daughter's wedding, but you know what I'm saying? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I just know that today I'm not drinking and that is my journey. And this is the journey I'm on. But to start off, I didn't tell anybody that I didn't trust, anybody that wasn't in my immediate circle. My two best friends knew, my husband knew, and I might have mentioned it to a couple of my sisters. I barely told my parents because I didn't want them to worry about, oh my gosh, my daughter has a problem with alcohol, right? Or I didn't want to tell too many people because I didn't want them to convince me that I didn't have a problem or that it wasn't necessary, because that is a huge thing. And I will talk about what to expect when you're getting sober. But I didn't want anybody to either worry, even though I went into this approaching it as it's just another habit. It's just another thing. It's a uh, it's not aligning with my goals. I just need to fix this one little thing. Let me tell you something. I went through the sober like journey. I, I legitimately... I faced the demons and the first couple of months were really hard. 
I would say the first 30 to 90 days are the worst as far as you have to get through the fact that you have no tool to process anymore. If you're using alcohol to block emotion or to numb pain, your 30 to 90 days in the beginning is going to be you going through all of that emotion and pain. And I know that because that was me. Things that I had forgotten that ever happened, things that I had just pushed aside, pushed under the rug, didn't want to think about, memories I was just repressing, all came back and knocked on my door. I had to process things that I never processed. I had to remember things that I put into a piece of my brain that I didn't want to remember. And a lot of those were things that happened when I was drinking. Memories I repressed that I did not want to remember and that I couldn't have remembered if you told me that they happened until I was completely sober and detoxed from alcohol completely. Until I decided that I was no longer going to use alcohol as a crutch and that alcohol was not going to be this huge cloud over my life, did I think about the things that happened to me that I did, things that I was ashamed of, things that I felt guilty for, things that I just didn't want to remember because they were too painful or because embarrassing, I... I had to face the music of the things that I did and the things that happened. And I went, of course, in my my journey of fitness at the same time. And, um, and this allowed me to have an outlet. But let me tell you, that didn't stop the tears. I specifically remember a time that I was going for a run and I was listening to the book uh, Recovery by... Bye bye bye, Russell Brand. Oh my gosh, I hope I said his name right. And he is describing his experiences and how he was really running from his reality and because he didn't really truly feel worthy. When he looks back on the things that he did and the things that he allowed to happen, he realizes that that was him not really valuing himself. And I'm running and I'm thinking, that's me. That's me. That's 100% me. Everything that he said he did, I did that. Or everything that he said he felt, I felt that. And I just remember crying, running and crying, running and crying and running home to my husband and just crying. And he was just like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) He didn't know what was wrong with me. And I'm like, I'm just feeling all of these feelings that I don't know what to do with. Because, you know, usually when I feel these feelings, I just go drink and then I don't have to feel my feelings anymore. I forget them. I numb them. And, you know, of course, I didn't say it so intellectually. I was probably a mess and not able to describe how I actually felt because I never actually learned how to process my feelings. But this is how I felt. I felt like I was an eight-year-old again that didn't know how to process feelings. I didn't know what to do or why I was so emotional or why I was such a crybaby or why I couldn't express myself correctly. And it was hard. It was hard to feel inadequate again or misunderstood. Like no one could listen because no one could understand your language because you couldn't express yourself properly. No one could ever understand what was going on in your brain or you couldn't even be able to express it if you could. 
And a big thing for me was writing it out because writing has always been a way to express myself where when I try to say it out loud, it doesn't come out the same. So I started writing again and I started feeling these feelings. And even though I was going to this very intense emotional time, I also found the pieces of myself that I had forgotten that I liked about myself. The fact that I was really great at writing, the fact that I did have the outlet of writing and fitness, running and writing. Those two things were things that got me through my teenage years, the hormonal and really dark at times moments of my life before alcohol existed in my life. I had other outlets and it reminded me that I loved to write, that I was very passionate, that I didn't need alcohol to make me cool, that I wasn't actually a careless person. I cared a lot. I wasn't actually a cold person. I was emotional. I put up these walls and I created this persona because I didn't want to get hurt because I was so tired of being hurt for being emotional, for being sensitive, for being a crybaby that I put up this wall like I didn't care about anything or anybody. And it all was aided to me by drinking, by a substance. If I drink this substance, then I no longer care because now I'm this party Diane that doesn't care about anybody, that doesn't have emotions, that doesn't feel pain because she's so strong. But truly, I'm not. Truly, I'm emotional and I'm sensitive and that's not a bad thing. It's just who I am and I don't have to try to be anybody else. Often people are so scared to go to a party and not drink because they're scared people are going to tell them they're not acting normal. But what is normal? Is it normal for you to drink so that someone else can think that you're normal? Or is it normal for you to not need a substance to be normal? What truly is you? Who truly are you? And I had to find that out for myself. I had to find it out for myself that I was not Diane because I was wild and crazy and careless and strong. I'm Diane because I'm Diane and I determine who I am and I don't need alcohol to tell me who I am. I don't need alcohol to come out of my shell. I don't need alcohol to have fun and I don't need alcohol to make other people have fun because I am who I am and I am fun without it. If anything, I am more fun and I am more confident and I know who I am more. I am more confident in who I am because I don't need an outside substance to tell me who I am, to make me who I am. And that is powerful. That in and of itself is powerful. And that's my personal journey. Now, let me tell you something. It's not going to be easy. I want to tell you the bitter truth about getting sober. You are going to offend people because you decided to stop going with the masses. Your decision to not drink is going to offend people that drink, even if you tell them that you don't care if they drink. Do you want to know how many people find out I don't drink and explain to me why they drink or they just excuse themselves for drinking or they want to make it seem like, well, I don't have a problem. I'm sorry you did, but I like to do it this way and that way. And this is why I'm okay at drinking and you're not. When I never asked, when I never once pointed out that they were drinking, when I never once questioned them about their drinking, when I never once cared 
if they were drinking. I decided to get sober because Diane, Jasmine, Garcia, Ortiz wanted to get sober. No one told me to. If anything, most people probably didn't want me to get sober because that would mean that I would no longer be their drinking buddy, that they could never call me again to go to happy hour, that they can never rely on me to pick me up and go to a bar on a random Wednesday night. There was a lot of people writing on me not getting sober because that would mean that I'm not going to be the same. And that is scary. You up-leveling your life is going to scare people. You deciding that you no longer need alcohol in your life is going to scare people because they are worried that the piece of you that they know is no longer going to be familiar. And now you're going to become unfamiliar. But let me tell you something. If someone loves you because of who you truly are, you as a human being, because they love your heart, they love your soul, they love your being, they aren't going to discourage your sobriety. They're going to encourage whatever is best for you. So number one, expect people to be scared of your sobriety to feel offended by your sobriety, to almost discourage your sobriety, to almost convince you that you don't need to be sober. It will happen. Expect it. When you expect it and it comes to you, you'll be better prepared for your response. So number one, expect people to feel uncomfortable. Number two, tell only people you trust. Because it's going to make most people uncomfortable. I told and entrusted in two or three people that I was getting sober. And I told the rest of them I was doing 75 hard. If you've never heard of 75 hard, it's 75 days of doing two workouts a day. It's drinking a gallon of water, reading 10 pages of a book and not drinking alcohol. It's something that I would do. People know you would challenge yourself to do that. I've been actually been sober a couple of times in my life, not for years at a time, for months. Let's just say 30 days sober, 60 days sober, just to test myself because I love a challenge. I'm a challenge-driven person, 100%. So it wasn't that weird for me to do something like 75 hearts. People didn't question it. They just didn't question the alcohol thing. They were like, oh, okay, yeah, she's doing another challenge. Sounds like Diane. So... I entrusted in people that actually like cared about, not cared about, trusted. Because, you know, I care about a lot of people. Do they have my best interests at heart all the time? Maybe not. Maybe it's a little bit more about them sometimes. So I told the people that I knew would encourage my journey, not discourage me. Number three, I immersed myself in sober content, sober community, sober books. Like I said, the book Recovery by Russell Brand, I hope I'm saying his name right, um, This Naked Mind. Annie, can't remember her last name. I listen to podcasts. There's a podcast that I really like. Um... Let me look up the sober podcast that I really like. It's like a reenactment. 
and I really, really like it. There's a bunch of sober communities, sober Facebook groups that you can find. There are sober curious people. Oh, it's called effing sober, the actual bad word though. And it's the first 90 days of sobriety. Just Google sober. And I mean, the cool thing about this man, to be honest with you, is that it literally is trending, I think. So sober curious lifestyle, which is amazing. I love that for us. I love that for us. I started following uh, the sober bodybuilder at that time. And I just literally immersed myself in sobriety. I wanted to hear every person's story that got sober, why they got sober. I wanted to surround myself with people that had already gone through that same thing. I wanted to know how they got through it. I wanted to know why they did it. And guess how many times I heard a sober journey and a reason why they got sober and I related to their drunk stories. There was a commonality in that. They did things that they weren't proud of when they were drinking. They felt shame and guilt around that. And then they continued to drink because of this shame and guilt. That was me. And that relatability allowed me to continue to stay sober in the moments that I thought maybe I should just drink. And the other thing, you know, and this is going to be, you know, expect it to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It's not, you know, it's not training at the gym. It's not going on a meal plan. It is a, it is a very mental thing because it's everywhere. Alcohol is the only drug that is encouraged by the masses. It is marketed to you on the TV screens, on the movies, on the radio, in the music, on music videos. It is created to be this luxurious and fun and exciting thing. While we lie to ourselves about the amount of addicts there are in this com- in this country, about the amount of families that have been lost due to this addiction, about the amount of people that are on the streets because they lost everything because of this substance, we lie to ourselves and think we're better than them because we're drinking the top shelf and they're on the streets drinking the bottom shelf. It's the same fluid. It's the same alcohol. It's the same substance that we're putting into our bodies, but we're lying to ourselves that it's different because we're not alcoholics, because we're not addicts. And let me tell you something it is no different. It is no different. The effects of are no different. What it can do to your life is no different. What it can do to your health, to your body is no different. We are no better. We are no better because we pay top dollar for the top shelf at the bar and the person on the street is paying bottom dollar at the bottom shelf in the liquor store on the street corner. It is the same toxic chemical we are putting in our body and the lies have to stop. That rant got me so heated that I forgot why I started talking about that. (laughs) It's going to be hard. 
It's going to be hard because it's everywhere. It's going to be hard because you can go to the supermarket and you can get your groceries. And while you're checking out, there's a little tiny bottle right in front of your face that you can literally buy for a dollar, two dollars, take a shot real quick, hide it, and then go back to doing your normal life. That's why it's hard. It's hard because you can be in the office, you can go on your lunch break, you can eat your lunch, and you can have a glass of wine at your lunch and go back to work and pretend like you didn't just drink a glass of wine. That's why it's hard. It's hard because you're on the internet and you're a mom who's tired, who's struggling, who needs help, doesn't have it, And you go online and you see mommy needs wine. That's why it's hard. And it makes me emotional. I'm literally crying. Because it's such a sad thing to see. That it is pushed in your face. And it is okay to to push on people. It's okay to push on people an addiction that has killed so many people. You think drugs are bad? Imagine having a candy store of drugs in every street corner. Where do you see the most liquor stores? In the inner cities. What do you see in the richer cities? What do you see in the affluent cities? You see juice bars. You see cycling classes. You see these organic grocery stores for carrots that are $15 a piece. But in the inner cities, you can get fentanyl, you can get a shot of alcohol, and you can get whatever you want for $10. And you can stay in your addiction for $10 or less. That's why it makes me emotional. Because addiction holds this country down And it is a huge community stronghold that we have. And we continue to push the agenda that it is okay. That it is okay. Or, or, not that it is okay. But it's okay if I do it, you went too far. How about that? How about the people that say, it's okay that I drink Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes on Wednesday. But my brother that drinks every day is an alcoholic and we should condemn him. We should put him in a nut house. He needs to get sober while you're sitting there and you're still drinking Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday. Who are we to think we are better than people because we have a quote unquote control on the same substance that is killing our family members, that is separating husbands and wives, that is putting kids into foster homes because, oh, well, they just couldn't control it as well as I could. Why is this okay? It's not. And that's why getting sober is not easy. It's not easy because it's everywhere and it's going to be hard to get away from it. And the more knowledgeable you are, the more weapons and the more shield you have against it because you are now armed with the knowledge and knowledge is power. The book that saved my life was This Naked Mind, and it was because of all of the information that I got. I didn't do 
AA, I didn't do 12 steps. I informed myself and I armed myself with knowledge. And that information alone, the fact that alcohol kills people every day, the fact that I have family members who have been addicted to things, that addiction is all around me. It's all around me. It has consumed my life at times. I cannot stand for that. I cannot stand here and pretend like it's okay for me to drink and to condemn others for drinking a little bit more than me or a lot more than me because here I am okaying it when I drink. And that's my journey. That's my decision. That's my life. But let me tell you, when I decided this, it wasn't easy because there was people that didn't agree with my stance, with my journey, with what I was deciding to do in my life. And that made it a little hard sometimes. It made me think, well, maybe I should just give in and do what they're doing because they're doing it. So if they're doing it, maybe it's okay if I do it. But then I remember the times that I I said, okay, I'll drink because so-and-so said that it was okay to drink. And then it was one drink, two drinks, three drinks, four, four drinks, five drinks, six drinks, floor. I wake up in the morning and I don't like who I was last night because I didn't go with my gut instinct that told me I didn't want to drink. And how many times did I drink because somebody else wanted me to drink? How many times did I put away my wants, needs, morals, morality, because I wanted to please someone else. Well, guess what? That's not me no more. And I get to celebrate two years. I get to say two not fully successful, not fully perfect, not fully easy years of me not allowing alcohol to control me, of me not allowing a substance to determine who I was or to define who I was And not to have that control over my life. And I have decided that I'm not drinking today. And I don't think I'll drink tomorrow. And like I said, when I'm 82, I don't know. We might have to talk again and, and check in with each other. But as of for right now, it's not happening. I love how I feel way too much to go back to who I was. I want you to know that it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. I want you to know that the first 30 to 90 days are going to be tough. But when you break that threshold and you succeed in keeping a promise that you make to yourself and you feel the effects of sobriety, when you feel the freedom, the breaking of chains from a substance and you understand what it feels like to be clear headed and clear minded and healthy, you are going to look back and not only are you going to feel proud of yourself, But you are going to look back and you say, I ain't never going back there. And you might trip. You might trip. You might make a mistake. You might do it one day and you might say, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. But let me tell you something. You're making that one mistake doesn't mean you have to go back to that life. You make that mistake. You trip, but you don't 
You don't fall back into your old life, okay? You keep going. You keep going because you know what it feels like to be sober. You know what it feels like to be free. And you don't want to go back to being chained to a bottle, to honoring a bottle more than you honor yourself and your body. You don't want to go back there. So you keep going. And I promise you, It'll be worth all the tears and all of the painful memories that you have to go through in the first 60 to 90 days. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have sober, curious questions, I am an open book. There's nothing you can ask me that's going to embarrass me or make me embarrass you. Ask me anything. You can now email straightupintentional at gmail.com and ask me anything you want to ask me. If asked to pertain to anything, faith, sobriety, fitness, specifically nutrition, whatever it is that you want to ask, don't be ashamed. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can comment on Spotify. It's going to help me so much understand what you love and what you don't love and how to continue making this something that is beneficial to you. Thank you guys. See you next time.